Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, the true stories, and the current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck naked in the summer. Welcome to episode 11 of the Brown County Hour. Our Earth Day show. Living in Brown County every day celebrates the Earth. We cover a lot of territory in this show, from efforts to cleaning up Salt Creek to learning about geodes, solar panels, and farmer's markets. We cover reusing and recycling with fabric artist Chris Gustin and June Walport. Of course, we have some great music from local musician Pat Webb, who was at the very first Earth Day. And as always, poke some fun, and Gunther Flum is back with some advice. Sounds like a busy show. Better get going. Tear up on my credit card, say humbug to the bank. I wanna waltz around in the tall grass, a bone arrow in my hand. Well, you can tell my boss that I sick us off, I've been living off the land. I wanna live in the moment, this moment's why I'm here. Hi, this is George from the Brown County Hour and WFHP. Today, Don Crum and I are going down to the creek to look for geodes. These lumpy rocks that you find in the creek here in Brown County often hide nice crystals in the middle. But as we will learn, they also hide a story that goes back 350 million years when Indiana was a shallow sea. Well, I always like to find the big crystals in the middle of geodes. What do you like to look for geodes, Don? Oh, I, uh, if it's a rock, I like it. If it's a geode, that's even better. I like the crystals and I like the... Uh, I like to hunt geodes just to figure out what type of fossil it formed from. Oh, so geodes formed from fossils? Yeah, they typically start as a buried uh, animal specimen that uh, was buried in the ancient sea that once covered this area. That's neat. What exactly is a geode, Don? Well, short version. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, typically need a void space to have crystal formation and uh, you get that void space by a, a buried organism such as a, a brachypod which is a clam-like organism or pelecipod or a crinoid head cephalopod gastropod yeah. do i need to so these geodes they actually <laughs> they actually form from living things they they form from the uh, shelled organism that leaves a void space or something that is resistant enough that it leaves a void once it's buried by the sediments around it man that's cool i hope we can find some while we're out here looking so where did geodes come from? I mean, you really only find them in the creek around here. Is that where they form? Well, it, uh, initially, the organisms are buried in the sediments by microfossils that typically form limestones or limey shells. And uh, before lithification or the, before the sediments turn to stone, the uh, uh, silica-rich waters that, with the right pH, perhaps, uh, 
filter the uh, the, the uh, silica-rich waters into the void space left by the buried clam or or the ancient echinoderm, such as the crinoid, and uh, filled the void and. Uh, the magical crystallization process begins and there's a lot of debate on really how that occurs oh yeah do they actually grow over time they uh, uh one paper i read uh, started with the uh, center of the organism being filled with a type of gypsum or anhydrite that swelled and uh, cracked the shell of the organism and ex expanding outward and then was uh, slowly replaced by the silica the quartz that we uh, find in the geode when we picked up in the creek bottom. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So have these geodes really been here for hundreds of millions of years? And most of the sea creatures we find uh, replaced by the silicification process or the becoming a geode uh -huh. uh, only live in the oceans uh, such as brachiopods and trilobites they're, they're shallow marine environment typically um, we do know that there was an ocean here at one time uh, according to geologic time that'd be approximately 350 million years ago yeah wow. during the mississippian period oh yeah so indiana was really under a sea that long ago yeah and right right here in brown county we're typically uh uh, when we dig beneath the soil, we'll find um, deltaic type of sediments such as shells, limestones, siltstones, mudstones, uh, intermittent. They, uh, the same type of sediments you find where the rivers meet the oceans. Yeah. And uh, at one time in our history, we were standing in a, well, we wouldn't be standing, we'd be swimming in the, the sea right where we're at right now. Wow. I suppose. Seems like Brown County's really changed over the years. A uh, lot more shops now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been George Clegg, WFHB in the Brown County Hour. And with me today has been Don Crum, local artist and naturalist and president of the local Rock and Mineral Club here in Nashville. When do you guys meet? Well, we will announce our, our meeting dates and location in the Nashville Democrat. And it's the third Saturday of every month at 6 o'clock in the evening. Great. And you'll be at the Earth Day Festival here about next week? Yes, and we'll have representatives from the local gold panning uh, organization displaying their wares. Excellent. Everybody's going to be down in the creek playing. All right. Well... This moment's why I'm here. Like the hot south kind of bush for the last 10,000 years. Move out to the country. I'm gonna blow up my TV. And I'll take the trials on the former wife and make John Brown. So, Don, you think we'll find a geode in this creek? I think we have a pretty good chance of finding a geode in any different branch. I they're usually smaller. But I have seen some pretty big geodes. County elder and tall tale teller Hank Swain explains Brown County's impetus in going green. The day Salt Creek flowed backward, the years 1811 to 13 saw violent earthquakes along the Mississippi River centered near New Madrid, now known as the New Madrid Fault. The territory at that time was sparsely populated, 
so the damage then was minor when compared to what it would have been today. There were accounts for a short time that the quake caused the Mississippi to flow backwards. A 1972 article in the Brown County Democrat newspapers refers to a similar reverse stream flow on Salt Creek here in Brown County. The new highway to Columbus was under construction and the farms supporting the two new arched bridges were in place two miles east of Nashville. The earthquake that day was only a point four on the Richter, but it was enough to collapse the scaffolding on the bridge construction. Now this created a temporary dam causing the water to back up Salt Creek for a short time before the stream pressure broke through the clogs restoring the flow. But the damage from this temporary backflow of the stream was minimal, but the psychological effect upon the Brown County residents proved to be far more extensive than might have been anticipated. As the stream began to reverse its flow, it loosened all the junk thrown into it and pushed it up over the riverbank, depositing it there. And the farmers who had been using a creek as a self-flushing dump site began to see all of their former deposits return to them. Farmer Tyson Milo, who had been one of the worst offenders because of his extensive acreage along the stream above the bridges, anything of heavy weight that he had discarded into the stream began to surface back on his fields along the riverbank. It began to look like a salvage yard. There was his 1960 Chevy pickup truck, two old water heaters, a big tractor tire, old corn planter, even the 1934 Ford's tractor, and the old kitchen wood stove range, metal hog feeders, an old cultipacker, smooth field, no longer used by any farmer, horse-drawn field mower, threshing machine that was used to harvest the oats and wheat, and almost any horse-drawn machinery that was made extinct by traffic tractor-driven tools. Well, the Brown County Democrat newspaper took pictures of the sorry mess and the whole county began to reassess its relationship with its streams. A community conscience seemed to surface and with it a belief that the county was experiencing a kind of a retribution for having used Salt Creek in such an abusive manner. Community leaders felt pressure to take action and to make amends. The recycling center was built, and schools promoted the long-term savings from recycling, and the children in turn persuaded some doubtful parents to join the cleanup of our county. The Chamber of Commerce created a project to voluntarily clean up a long stretch of Salt Creek so that canoes and kayaks had a debris-free eight-mile float. The Visitors Bureau promoted the annual kayak race, which brought new influx of tourists interested in the outdoor sports activities. The popular mountain bike trail in the Brown County State Park already had a reputation as one of the best in the nation, and some of the riders of the trail were also river sports enthusiasts and helped promote the kayak race. Little did residents know how great an economic benefit would come from the earthquake that caused Salt Creek to flow backwards. One of the local residents, upon reflecting on the incident, suggested we should memorialize it annually as the day Brown County turned green. 
Meanwhile, Yolanda Toshlog gives us an update about Salt Creek cleanup efforts. Well, the Salt Creek Revitalization Project initially was called the Salt Creek Cleanup. There was cleanups on the Salt Creek. They cleared a lot of trash, anywhere from tires. They found cars and dumpsters, which I think were mostly too large to remove. At this point, it's been large um, cleanup initiatives, but there was also um, a grant that was awarded then allowed some assistance to one of the businesses here in the area, the Red Barn Jamboree, to purchase kayaks and a trailer to move kayaks so that this project not only involves the uh, cleanup of and sort of maintenance of the creek, but it also involves an economic development standpoint. So we're trying to also build business within Brown County to utilize the creek for kayak and canoe rentals. Uh, our end goal would be to have from essentially Nashville, there'd be a stream trail that would be clear um, and navigable by kayaks and canoes on into Lake Monroe. Then as a result, have it continually maintained and cleaned because a river or creek is really a living organism. Well, we just had an exciting development. We were just given a grant from DNR Lair, which is the Lake and River Enhancement Program, and it will allow us to move, remove one of the major log jams that's on Salt Creek right now. It's a very large log jam. It's over 300 feet long and over 200 feet wide. Well, the project will be um, very professional, and it will also involve a component, which is, again, another initiative that really the Salt Creek Revitalization Project is interested in, is making sure that wildlife um, habitats are kept safe, um, are prospering along the creek. So at this point, the best contact would be to send us an email with your information to cleansaltcreek at gmail.com. I'm Brown County artist Susan Showalter, and I'm sitting today with Pat Webb. He's a legendary singer-songwriter that lives here in Brown County, Indiana. I've known him for 15 years or so. I met him in uh, the Writers, Readers, and Poets Society meeting here in Brown County, commonly called RAPS. Somehow we kind of clicked and became good friends over the years, and I spent a lot of time listening to him and helping promote him and his son because I think they're some of the best musicians I've ever personally known. And it's a real honor to have you here today, Pat. It's great to be here, by the way. I understand you were at the first Earth Day event down in Atlanta. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Exactly. I was working a a place called the Bottom of the Barrel at night. That day, we had a little do in the streets of Atlanta, right out in front of the club. But uh, it was myself and several local people that uh, they were not world famous but that's the whole idea you know all over the country anybody could participate in Earth Day trying to save the you know natural environment we're getting into some trouble now with the climate change and all I, I might mention something about that the other day on television I saw this gentleman that was running for high office and Polar ice caps melting. Right. He still didn't believe in it because it didn't go in this politics. Well, we've got to get rid of that sort of thought. Well, tell me about your childhood. and Have you always felt like you've been close to the earth? Oh, I always have been, yes. Um, I was born in Springfield, Missouri, moved down to southeast Missouri, which at that point they were draining the swamps to uh, grow cotton. 
I saw some of the cotton down there later in life. And after that, when I was four, we moved to a farm south of Springfield that was uh, owned by my mother's parents. It was uh, a great place. There was all kinds of room to run around, you know, take your dogs and go out in the woods, and which were pretty close by. And we had jackrabbits there. It was just a lot of fun and an education, you know, and watching the seasons change. And I was always interested in that and the outdoors. Do you think it's inspired some of your music? Oh, I'm sure it has. Don't get very far away from where you were when you were young. I'm 80 now, and I can look back on it and see. And also, there were people in the neighborhood that played. We had music and stuff right in the house and poetry reading and one thing or another. Well, you have a song that I have dearly loved called The Land. Can you tell me a little bit about that? A songwriter friend of mine named Frank Watson put me in on it with him. We co-wrote The Land. Well, let's take a listen to it right now. It's one of my favorite songs, and I'd like to share it with our radio audience. Yeah, it's on Webstone Records, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And Susan will be back later with more of Pat Webb. We'll be right back after station identification. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Brown County Hour. And we're back with Susan Showalter continuing her interview with Pat Webb. I remember when I met you, you were telling me how you had traveled and been on the road for a long, long time. Can you tell us a little bit about that life? Well, I started in the 50s, and in 55 I was with the Westerners in a great big radio station in Nebraska. Also, I would go to other places after that when so-called folk music got popular in the 60s. I was right in that. And Mm -hmm. Chris's mother, Charlotte Daniels, and I worked together for a little while off and on. And I worked by myself a lot. And I worked a lot up in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And in California in one place, and St. Louis a lot. People here in Brown County don't realize that you and Charlotte were both recorded by the Smithsonian. Can you tell us a little bit about your records that they now sell? A record that was on originally Folkways, Mo Ash, and he recorded a slew of people. Well, when he passed away, a man named Ralph Rensler got the Smithsonian to buy all those records, and that's how come I'm on the Smithsonian. And I noticed there's three. There's one with you alone, that's the Pat Webb guitar, and then there's one with you and Charlotte. That's called Charlotte Daniels and Pat Webb. There's one that's just Charlotte. Your son is Christopher Webb. His mother was Charlotte Daniels. The son of two pretty famous folk singers. Downstairs was a place called the Laughing Buddha, which was a great place to play, and they hired me to play there. And I enjoyed that a lot. And then you met Charlotte? She was booked in there. That's how I met her. Yes, and also Judy Collins was booked into there, and there were some pretty good singers that came right. there. I remember you telling me you played with all kinds of people all over the place, with John Sebastian once in a while. Well, John Sebastian's on one of my records, you know, from right. just a short while back. He's on one called Stretched Out and Rolling, and another one called 200 Pounds of Dynamite. See, I put him on stage his first time when he was 16 in the village, Greenwich Village. He came up to me with this gun belt looking thing full of harmonicas and he said can I sit in with you mister and do a song I said can you play an F sharp and he said yes which surprised me and I knew he was good and uh, that's how we got together and he was in Love and Spoonful was he in with I mean, he, he put that together a right. little later he sat in with m- me and Charlotte Washington D.C. later actually for a while. That was just another town where we did write well. Our tune from the record Charlotte Daniels and Pat Webb called Abilene uh, got a lot of play there. Later on we took it to Nashville. What brought you to Brown County? I used to come down here years ago and I played uh, Benefitter in Bloomington. I'd come over here a lot and I liked it. You, know, you were living in Indianapolis at that right. time? Right. And I wanted to get out of the big city and uh, that's the way it worked. 
you have a, I think of it kind of as a classical piece myself, of course. I mean, as far as the quality of it, Wild Stallion. Right. I wrote that a long time ago, and I had a lot of Latino buddies when I was in the Marine Corps. I learned some of that idea from then, and then I brought to it my own techniques. They liked it. And once later, when I would play like uh, California at the Ash Grove, for Latinos in the audience would really like it, and uh, I've kept it in. It's very difficult to play. Tell us about your start in music. You said you hung out with this black friend in, or, or acquaintance that you knew in Missouri. He was a piano player, Blind Tommy Hunt, and he was my main mentor. I even mentioned him on one or two of my records that he was my mentor. And uh, it also helped uh, strengthen my idea that race is nothing to be afraid of. It's merely interesting, quite interesting. Music is genetic, you know. It runs in the family. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time with us. And I know you have a lot of fans in this community and all over the United States. When I've happened to put some things online about you and my various uh, endeavors, I've often gotten emails asking about you and 
from people who hadn't heard your music for a long time and they were awfully glad to know that you were still performing. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the beautiful music that you've written and how you've entertained so many people over the years. It's meant an awful lot to me and I know it has to well, other people too. I want to thank you. You know, my son Christopher and I still go out a lot right. and he goes out by himself or with his own band. Right. So we're still hard at it, you know, doing the best we can. I appreciate being with you today. This yeah, is great. 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 And uh, in the future, you could visit handmadeinbrowncounty.com. And if Chris or Pat have some gigs coming up, we'll try to have them listed there. Excellent. Thanks again. Lee Edgren replaces Julia Pearson interviewing June Walpert on quilts, a creative use of recycled old fabric. Believe it or not, this is the history section of the Brown County Radio Hour. This is Lee Edgren sitting in for Julia Pearson this show. I'm talking to June Wolpert about quilting. June, quilting's really an old art form. I was surprised that there have been two lines that from the very beginning, the new materials quilts and old materials quilts. What first interested you in quilting? My mother loved quilts but did not have time to quilt, but she made sure all of her children, uh, she had nine kids, we all got a quilt. And then uh, I started quilting with my mother-in-law, and she loved to piece quilts in Brown County. I took lessons from uh, Marianne Robertson. Later on, I learned to love to applique. And for a long time, I only did hand quilting. I now more and more, I I try to do a little machine quilting too. Machine quilting did not used to be accepted. I've been thinking a lot about some of the pattern names and how earthy they are, like Drunkard's Path or Wedding Wings Quilts. Yeah. Um, Ducks it, in a pan, Pond and... Sometimes one pattern will have several different names. So you're a member of the Pioneer uh, Women, isn't that right? Yes, and that's associated right. with the Brown County Historical Society. I would think that in that pioneer tradition in Brown County, thrift and reusing and recycling materials really play a big part in the quilts of Brown County. Have I got that right? Yes. There are quilts on display in the traditional arts building. Uh, Linda Sage is, I understand some of her quilts are there, and, and She's a, a very good artist. And the 34th annual quilt show is just around the corner at the Historical Society in June. This year it's the 1st, 2nd, 3rd of June. If people have quilts, can they still enter? Do yes, they t- take any kind of a quilt. If you bring it, it's going to be in the oh, show. Oh, okay. Are the judges from this area? or I usually try to get somebody from out of town, somebody that I know, and they judge, and they're very knowledgeable about all aspects of quilting. So June, if somebody wanted to enter the show or get more information, what phone number would they call? 988-2899 or 988-6089. I will see you at the quilt show. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Historical Society holds its annual garage sale April 27th and 28th. A back to the land musical benefit for their new building is scheduled for May 19th featuring Dylan Buston and Gray Larson and Bob Lucas at the Brown County Playhouse. Ever wondered what solar panels are made of and how they work? Bruce Clegg gives us the lowdown. This is 
Bruce Clegg for WFHB, the Brown County Hour. And we're all getting ready for this year's Earth Day event, April 21st, where you'll be able to see a working solar power unit. These solar panels that generate electricity from sunlight are called photovoltaics and are the focus of our segment today. The sun emits an immense amount of energy in the form of light. Photons are the elementary particles that make up light and traveling at a speed of 186,282 miles per second have the ability to knock electrons out of atoms, a phenomenon known as the photoelectric effect. When a French physicist in 1839 immersed two metal plates in a solution exposing one of the plates to sunlight, he detected a small voltage. Then much later, in the 1950s, scientists at the Bell Telephone Laboratories invented the first solar cell using purified silicon, much like today's solar panel cells made from thin wafers of crystalline silicon that have been treated with two different elements, allowing an electrical field to form when exposed to light. Each cell typically produces about a half a volt, so most panels are made up of many cells to produce a usable voltage. Our demonstration model has an open voltage of 21 volts and is useful for charging our 12-volt deep cycle battery. We can use our stored energy in the form of 12-volt DC or invert to 120 volts AC. Our model that we have built for this year's Earth Day event has both, so we'll be collecting the sun's energy all day and enjoying it later with tools, toys, maybe a movie, or some music. Here's a creative twist to recycling and reusing material. This is Vera Grubbs with the Brown County Hour, and we're here at Chris Gustin's studio up on the ridge way down in southern Brown County. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm fine, Vera. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's kind of stormy out there. It is. It's blowing in something. (laughs) Let us start out with asking you how you came to be what you are, and that is a terrific weaver. Well, thank you. Um, It actually was just kind of a stroke of luck that I happened to take a couple weaving classes while I was in college. It was an art requirement for my degree, which actually is in journalism. And throughout the 40 years since college, I have taken um, an opportunity to do both sides almost like a dual major in college, doing the weaving part of the time and doing the journalism part of the time. And now I'm pretty much settled into the weaving. Um, I still do a little bit of editing and websites, but mostly I'm just a weaver now. And you have such a lovely studio. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Well, it is jam-packed full of looms. There's um, more than 20 at this point. I really can't keep track of them. Um, tons of yarn and supplies for weaving that I've acquired through the years just because I knew how hard it was to get supplies and when I found sources for them I took advantage of it so that I'm not the only one using them I also have other customers that are weavers and and other fiber artists that visit and take part in some of this uh, accumulation of yarn yeah that's wonderful I have students that come here, too, to learn to weave, just um, 
if they want to experience it. They don't, not all the time do they stay for a long period of time, but um, I do have some that stay for three or four days at a time, too. And what do you think of Brown County? How did you come to be here? I voted for it. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, We were working for a newspaper in Evansville that closed in 1998, and my husband had several job offers, and um, when I saw where they were, I voted for Brown County. I mean, this is one of the greatest places in the Midwest to live. I firmly believe that Brown County is just, you know, just heaven on earth. So you've been here at least 12 years, is that? Yes, since 1999. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some changes happening? Mostly for the better, as far as the art scene goes. Nashville is getting more emphasis on the arts, I think, uh, I hope. More art galleries coming in and a lot more co-op galleries, which I think is really what we need in that town is these uh, co-op galleries that allow a lot of different artists to participate. So that brings me to the very special event coming up, Earth Day. I know that you have been working with recycled materials and it's a very special product that you produce. Yes, almost all of the materials that I use for my rugs recycled from either pre- or post-consumer products. Um, that would cover the gamut from old clothing to waste from a mill or a factory that I buy from a waste dealer to um, the plastic bag rugs, which a lot of people are interested in. Um, I started making those about 10 years ago because... I would see plastic bags caught in trees as I was driving um, around, and it really kind of made me mad to see them caught in trees, and they would stay there for years. There's one up on Coffee Hill right now that has been caught in that tree for about six months. It makes me want to stop on the hill and grab it down. But um, I started experimenting with what I could do with the plastic bags that would make them weavable, and I finally came up with a way to put them together and started producing the plastic bag rugs. Um, I have since retired them because of changes in the plastic. So uh, they don't hold up as well. They break down a lot easier in the environment, which is, I guess, what we were fighting for, to get them so that they wouldn't just stay around for 50 years. I hope that what they've done to them is still good for the environment, though. That's my concern. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I have stopped making those for that reason. But I have a show coming up in celebration of Earth Day at the Hotel Indigo, and there will be some of my plastic bag creations there made, made previously and on display, mm-hmm. along with um, my shaggy chic recycled rugs and a few other surprises that I haven't quite finished yet. Do you have a website you're working with also? Um, my website is www.homesteadweaver.com. We've been talking with Chris Gustin in her studio on the ridge high up in Brown County, and this has been Vera Grubbs for the Brown County Hour and WFHB. We'll be right back after this station identification.
Welcome back to Episode 11 of the Brown County Hour. Earth Day and Spring in Brown County would not be complete without the local farm report. I'm here. My name is Gunther Flum. I'm with Bill Land, and this is the Brown County Farm Report. Howdy, Mr. Bill. How's life down on the farm in Brown County? Life is very good, very organic, and lots of gardens, farmer's market, and some new space for community gardens. Even the Parks and Rec Department's helping us out. Okay, I kind of believe you, but, but what's going to be unique about the Brown County Farmer's Market this year? Well, we'll feature wild foods such as lamb's quarter, poke, edible mushrooms, and that old morel mushroom, too, that we all love so much. And we ask if you sell eggs at the Farmer's Market that you bring a pen of chickens, a laying hens, so the folks can get the connection between eggs and the hen. We'll also have some exciting contests like melon carving and watermelon carving with chainsaws and the biggest tomato of the day will also be picked. Huh, well that all sounds very organic, but what is very organic about Brown County Gardens? Well, we don't use any toxins on our gardens and we try to work up our gardens with our chickens and pigs or whatever else we can find to do the tilling for us. We just pin them up, let them root and scratch, carry on. And presto, the garden is ready. And we all use soy-based maxi-crop and fish water from our aquariums for fertilizer. Sometimes we even bury a little bait with each plant. We control insects by having a pick'em jar and a butterfly net to scoop up all the bugs. And the insects then become wonderful chicken food. Hmm, that's kind of strange, but I'll take your word for it. How about explaining the Brown County composting you talk so much about? We are famous for our BS Whiskey Compost. The formula is simple. Visit the local pasture for some genuine bull manure. Bring it home to the compost bin, three pallets stood on end, staked. Mix it with a season of vegetable scraps from your kitchen. No meat, no banana peels, no strange foreign stuff. Add leaves, a measure of soil, a half pound of red worms, and spray liberally with fine whiskey. Turn a few times and you have the best compost ever. Well, uh, how do you keep the locals out of it, and especially the deers and the rabbits? Well, the locals are always quite a problem, but the deer and rabbits, there that's really easy. The best fencing is a stockade about six feet high, wire mesh, doubled up, two fences, one inside the other, driftwood or... Our big limbs stood on end. This adds a lot of privacy, even for the nude gardeners. Another Brown County critter uh, protector around the gardens is to dump your kitty litter box, smell and all, completely around the garden. Works great. P.U. But uh, thank you, Mr. Bill, for this here farm report. But there is one last question. I understand you raise dairy goats for milk and other things and to show it to state fair. Exactly what are those other things you raise them for? And do you recommend that folks get some good dairy goats? Oh, I do recommend dairy goats for fresh milk. The fresh raw milk is triple filtered and quick cooled. It makes uh, wonderful cheese, and I make cheese every uh, week. This, uh, these wonderful good dairy goats have got one big problem, though, Gunther. Uh, you have to stay there on the farm and work with them at least twice a day, maybe a little bit longer. And it makes makes it mean that I never get to go off the farm. I stay tied to the farm. I don't travel very much. This helps to reduce my carbon footprint, help me save the planet. Many folks want to rent a goat, too. Uh, goat shares, they call it. 
That way uh, we can get fresh milk and they can get fresh milk and not have to work so hard. Now I'd like to tell you that the next farm report might feature the county fair where we talk about pumpkin bowling and squash stood on end and maybe even a possum show and a, a strange livestock uh, demonstration like yaks and kind of bad hair day for cows. Veggies like the star fruit, we call it porcupine fruit here in good old Brown County. Well, Bill, thank you for that there interesting farm report. This is Gunther Flum for the Brown County Radio Hour, and we'll see you next time. Have a good day, folks. The Midweek Farmer's Market, which will be Tuesday afternoons from 4 till 6, it is located at Kreitzer's Feed Store, which is in Nawbone, Indiana. Um, if you're interested in having a booth, please call Ken Kreitzer at 988 7100. We all want to do what is right for the earth, but there seems to be conflicting opinions on what that is. Hey, honey, it says here in the Scientific American Journal, July 23, 2010, that urine is good for garden plants. It also says it is totally possible to use human urine as a fertilizer because it contains nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, which plants need to thrive, and it's practically sterile when it leaves the body. Well, I'm going to go out and water the vegetable patch right now. Hey, what are you doing there? Well, I'm recycling some wastewater. I don't want to overload my septic or run my pond dry just from flushing the toilet. And besides... Scientific America says urine is good for your garden. Yeah, well, this is Brown County, and you can't do that here anymore. According to Section 202 of Article 2, it shall be unlawful for any person to place, deposit, or permit to be deposited in an unsanitary manner upon the public or private property within Brown County, Indiana, or in any other area under the jurisdiction or said county, any human excrement or sewage. That includes peeing in the woods or on your bushes. You are guilty under this ordinance. The fine is $1,000. If I catch you doing this again, I'll fine you $2,500. $1,000 for peeing in your yard? What's this world coming to? Gee whiz. Leave it to Gunther Flum to share his thoughts on Earth Day. Once a year, for what it's worth, we celebrate our planet Earth, where really, if I had my way, we'd celebrate it every day. Why, think of all the fun and joys for all the little girls and boys if every day around the earth we brought them laughter filled with mirth, with competitions that would test on which of them could play the best. Along with science, arts, and math, let's teach our children how to laugh. We have 364 of days left unaccounted for, where if we thought about it right, we'd celebrate each day and night and throw a party if we could in every country's neighborhood. I'll bet that every day we get could be the best one we've had yet. If, like the birds of common feather, we all band to work together, why, we can end all war and strife by celebrating love and life and heal hurts and right the wrongs with caring, sharing, dance, and songs where every day's a celebration in all our hearts in every nation. So on this planet where we play, let's look at it another way. Since it's the only one we've got, why, you ain't got to think a lot. For on this ball in outer space, we are the only humane race. Where everywhere it's understood, we're here to love and make it good. And do no harm, and do not fight, and do it till we get it right. 
Since don't it seem each day, each year, we only have ourselves to fear? For if we are the humankind, then every day we live will find how precious life can really be beneath our sky, on land and sea, and seek the truth and all rejoice and do it with a single voice. For each of us in silent pride has got that gift of life inside that from the greatest to the small is the most magic gift of all. So everyone who ain't a fool can see we have a precious jewel that we call earth and it's our home where all God's creatures get to roam. And in Brown County where we're from, if you can't see that, you're just dumb. Happy Earth Day birthday from Gunther Flum. In March, our esteemed librarian, Yvonne Oliger, retired after nearly 20 years of service. It seems appropriate to air her comments from a January 2011 interview about the new library turning 10 years old. This county has cared about library service from the very beginning. Since around 1919, 1920s, local artists had wanted to start a library, and it first started out as the Nashville Library. And then they were forward-thinking enough to think that we need to be a county-wide library. And in fact, I think we're one of the first county-wide libraries in the state. Some of you have seen the Hohenberger photographs where that the library used to take books around in a suitcase and leave them on the porches for people to read. This current building that we're celebrating 10 years is just part of the, the continuum of caring about library service by Brown Countyans. This project we were building in 2000 and moved in in January of 2001 and it is so much ever more than our dreams. One of the things is that we brought over our artwork. It is now displayed and several pieces were commissioned to be hung in the library. We have found that in Brown County, the library is also a community space. So when we were doing the planning for the library, we wanted to see if there was space that we could build for a community center. And Anya Latour was a local benefactress who had left money to the community to build a community center. But when we approached the committee, they said the library is a great place. Community rooms were funded with a grant from... Um, the Lilly Endowment Gift 4 Initiative and the Anya Latour. So we named all of these meeting rooms downstairs because of that. We are so grateful for the support of the library through the community. The biggest changes in the 10 years is the rapid growth of computers and technology. I remember that we, when we got our first internet at the old building and the only place we could bring it in was outside the restrooms and there was this one little computer station. And then, then we became automated. We helped the schools get automated. That's when the card catalog went away because there's just so much more accessibility. It used to take us, frankly, a week or two or more to get all the cards filed in the card catalog. Now, the minute the book is, is um, put into the system, it is available and accessible for all of you. We um, now provide eight public access computers, and we may look at some more. We have several card catalogs, and our card catalog is accessible from home. People can now start to create a login. You can check and see availability, place hold, send us messages, and things like that. So that's our newest. As more and more of the county becomes accessible through DSL and high speed, which is one of the goals for this county, it will unite our business. It also means that you can use your library more effectively. There are millions of books available in ebook format now that are in the public domain. And that's part of how libraries are still part of the future. When people ask me, are libraries going to be around in the future? They are because we care about people and services.
Here's Ramblin' Rick Fettig's Rear End Rant with his two cents worth. Like can I go ride my Zoom? It goes 200 miles an hour, suspended on balloons. And can I put Remember this song? And in August of 69, when it became famous at Woodstock, they were wondering if we were going to be driving in a Zoom or a, we were each going to have our own jet packs or exactly what was going to be happening in the near future. And that was 40 years ago. And we're still driving these same old cars. They're, of course, a little bit nicer, but we're still having to suck the oil out of the center of the earth. And now we're starting to pull all the water out of the aquifers so that... Um, you can each have your own six-pack of plastic water bottles every day. I know that a gallon of water weighs about eight pounds, so you can only imagine how much a barrel of oil weighs, and we're pulling millions of gallons of oil out of the earth every day. And you remember, uh, I know when I was young, we used to get these beach balls that had a weight in them so that they would wobble as you when you threw them through the air. Um I just have to wonder what all this is doing to the earth, which formed itself to do what it was supposed to do. Determined to remember all the cardinal rules, like sun showers of legal grounds for cutting school. And speaking of rainy days and water, um, if you want to invest in your kid's future, I hear the latest craze is going to uh, one of the shorelines and buying property that is about a block away from the the beachfront because uh, it's not going to be too long until that's going to be oceanfront property and you'll double or triple your money. And you can also uh, maybe go up into Canada and buy some land that's under the permafrost because when all that ice melts, that's going to be some of the best farmland in the country. And all my deepest worries must be his cartoons. One of our worries and concerns right now is global warming. And uh, people wonder, first of all, if it's true. And uh, second of all, if we have any influence on it. And if you're in doubt about that, then brothers and sisters the next time you go to the grocery store even just a small trip i want you to come home open up the hood of your car and raise up those holy hands and thank the lord that you don't have to walk anywhere anymore that you've got this great automobile that'll take you places and i want you to take those holy hands up in the air and lay those hands on the valve cover and just tell me if you don't think those millions of automobiles putting out that heat have anything to do with uh, the temperature of today's climate i'll try to tell him all the things I've done Relating to what he can do When he becomes a man And still he'll stick his fingers in the fan And as mankind develops, we all uh, make mistakes like we did with cigarettes and coal and oil. and We just didn't know anything when all this stuff developed, but we know a lot more now. And Only three, she's got her own video phone, 
And with technology the way it is today, it's been said that mankind has made its biggest leaps when more information became available to people, like when they invented the uh, printing press and the common man learned to read instead of just the monks up in the abbeys. So hopefully with all the information we have, we can make a couple quick mother may I big steps. But what's the matter, Daddy? How come you're turning green? And all these opinions or preclusions are of my own, uh, not necessarily of anybody with the Brown County Hour or with WFHB. They're kind of like rear ends. I've got mine and you've got yours. Thanks and keep listening. Why must every generation think their folks are square? And no matter where the heads are, they know... Brown County celebrates its Earth Day next Saturday, April 21st, from 10 till 2 p.m. at the local YMCA. That's it for the episode 11 of the Brown County Hour. Hope you enjoyed the show. The Brown County Hour is an all-volunteer production. This episode's crew includes Bruce Clegg, George Clegg, Lee Edgren, Rick Fedig, Vera Grubbs, Tyra McCain, Scott Nelson, Janice Pierce, Pam Rader, and Susan W. Showalter. Managing producer, Pam Rader, technical producer and webmaster, Jeff Foster, Executive producer, Chad Crothers. Thanks, Slats Klug, for your wonderful music. And as always, you can stream this and previous episodes at browncountyhour.com or at wfhb.org. The Brown County Hour will be taking a hiatus in June to accommodate WFHB's broadcast of a special series of Radio Lab. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in August. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home. Brown County home.